Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tom Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday in Lent for the week of March 20th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and wow, we're already almost half of the way through Lent as we are in this Lenten journey. I hope that your Lenten goals, things that you're doing differently in Lent are going well, or the things that you're doing differently are are going well. I know for me, most of the one that I've been working on, I've been able to do most days. There's been a couple days I've slipped up in there, but I think it's this good practice to take some time and specifically set aside some time to do something different, to remember this time, to have some moments of remembrance of what Christ did for us. And I think in a lot of ways, it exemplifies and helps us be able to see what others do for us all the time. It helps us to become, in a weird way, more thankful in this time of reflection. This time that we are able to recognize and think about more of the things that we take for granted, the things that we overlook, the things that are really meaningful to us, but yet we don't give them the time that they deserve. And I think it gets really well into the question that we had for last week of how well are you leaning into giving up free will? It's a thing that we really wrestle with, we struggle with. It's the thing that we are, as Christians, trying to let go of, but yet cling on to our humanity of, is that we don't like giving up control. How many things do we do in our own lives that are done in a way so that we can have more control or have better control or better understand what's going on? There's sometimes with the organic nature of things, the let go of things and let God do what God's going to do with it is hard. I know for me, as I've looked over the metrics the last few weeks of looking at this podcast, there's times where it's like, this is it. But it's also the blessing of also, this is a gift and look at what God is still doing with the little things that I am doing with this. I think it's that recognition and flipping that mindset around of looking at what God is still blessing me with and being able to bring you this. Thinking about how God is blessing you, being able to look and hear these from a different perspective. That even though we're not together physically, we're able to be together spiritually in this place. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing that we're able to look at and deal with And the free will of letting go of the confines of things that have defined people before to be able to let the spirit move. And I think that is something that is worth digging into. And I think it flows really well into the text this week. So let's just jump right into that. The Old Testament or first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 to 9. And this text is the hungering that we should be having for God. But that means in that, that we aren't desiring things of this world that are just going to fade away. Looking at these things that are potentially getting in our way from us hearing God. This idea of how we can at times get caught up in our image, caught up in the things of This world caught up in the ideas of the self-made person, the idea of you doing it on your own and not recognizing how God is still there in control. And when we're able to do that, the thing that's amazing is that people are drawn to us because they see the God within us. And it's not that we're they're drawn specifically to us as individuals. They're drawn to Christ 
within us. It's a beautiful text that really kind of invokes this idea of looking at how we're listening for God. And then as we're doing that, that that God then is going to stir up within us so that others want to draw near. For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, coming from verse 9. The psalm this week is Psalm 63, verses 1 to 8. I thought Ralph Jacobson in the Working Preacher podcast gave this really beautiful reflection on just this first verse on how my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you in dry and weary land where there is no water. And how the original text is going at that this is like a thirst, like in dryness in the back of the throat that you're parched and you're seeking that moisture, those times when you've been working really, really hard and the only thing that sounds really good is some type of moisture coming in to our body. And so then it continues on how the steadfast love of God then is what is filling us up and is giving us the steadfast nature to be able to give praise, be able to meditate on the thoughts of Christ, but able to really sustain us and sustain us with joy because of how we are attached to God. The New Testament text or second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. Before we get into this text, I want to give a little warning, and it's something that I also want to kind of make note of because I think it's something that Caroline Lewis brought up, but I would have to say our Western thought or my Western thought slants how we read this text. And a lot of where you'll get groans is verse 13. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. It's this idea of God doesn't give you more than you can take. And we know that that's a lot of BS in a lot of ways. There's definitely times where we feel like it's more than we can take. But where I push back on that is we have to be able to read this text as a whole text. We have to remember that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he even starts this in verse 1 here. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Christ, going through verse 4, emphasizing this idea of all, emphasizing that this is for the community. And so when you're going through this, and that they're talking about how there are different things where At different points, people put up idols. People idolized or indulged in sexual immorality. People were putting things in front of them that then the destroyer was able to get in the way. And where I think this text really brings together is this is the need for community. This is the need that we need each other to be able to get through this life. This isn't supposed to be something that we take on ourselves, but this is something that we take on together. 
This is one of the texts that help emphasize the importance of us, the church, as a body. Because, yes, as a body, we are able to endure. Because God is with us as a group. So, yeah, I would argue that there are times that God does give an individual more than they can take. Because it's the one of those moments where God is wanting us to work together. For us to help carry that weight so that not a single individual has to go through it. So, Let's just jump into the gospel text this week. The gospel text is out of Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Here we have some of the people looking at and are concerned about a couple different issues, kind of like they're talking around the water cooler was one of the ways that I heard it this week in text study, how the Galileans' blood had been mixed with the sacrifices. So there's questions, does that make them a worse sinner or not? There's kind of this current event where 18 were killed when the Tower of Solemn fell. And it's like, were they living worse than others? And Jesus gives us this parable of the fig tree starting in verse 6. A man had a fig tree and planted it in a vineyard and he came looking for the fruit and found none. He then said to the gardener, see, for three years I have come for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why is it wasting the soil? The gardener responds, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. If not, you can cut it down. This text arguing of let me do a little bit more. Let me take some additional care and really give it what it needs. And then let's see what happens. So that's kind of where we're at this week. And I think we've even gotten a text where it's given us a clue of what we need to dig into a little bit on how faith and science come together this week. But before we do that, we have to do our shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring me some different ideas and different perspectives. Having four different seminary professors right now in the podcast discussing, along with 10 back years of looking at these texts and having different commentaries, I find it extremely helpful. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. Second of all, I'd also highly recommend the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu. For me, it's where I look at the text week after week, but one of the things that really sets it apart is that they have the art section. And one of the things that I love about it is having art throughout time, throughout the world, and how people have interpreted these texts, which gives a unique and interesting perspective to a lot of these texts, especially coming at it from different sets of eyes than a millennial in America in the early 2020s. It's nice to be able to see some different perspectives and giving us some different ideas of potentially how others are interpreting these texts. So, if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the Divinity Library at Vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend that also. The clue that I feel like we have this week that we really need to dig into a little bit is manure or manure, however you want to say it. Taking the waste product of another animal and using it as fertilizer for a plant. Now, a lot of this gets into kind of how we have this symbiotic relationship with plants in general, how Our respiratory system exhales CO2 and plants take in CO2 to create oxygen. There is a nice mutualistic relationship here. 
But what the gardener is also looking at is putting in manure and digging around the roots. Now, one of the things that I found out this last week with digging into fig trees is fig trees roots are very shallow. They're not far under the soil, but they go really, really wide because of that. So if the canopy of the tree, for instance, is five feet across, the roots are probably going out at least 10 feet. So this is a fairly big task of what he's talking about here that he's wanting to dig around the tree. But, and I'll attach a video here where there's this woman that had some sprouted figs and planted them in her garden, two by one area having manure stash and two that didn't. And the growth is phenomenally different, phenomenally different. And part of that is there is a lot of nutrients and micronutrients that are introduced into the soil through using manure. And there's a lot of debate and it kind of gets into like what type of plants you're doing on what type of animal manure that you're wanting to use. Is it sheep, cow, horse? There's different reasons to use different types, especially like with bacteria that can be introduced into the soil like E. coli and salmonella that potentially go through like a chicken's waste product. And you're probably not wanting that in your root vegetables or something of that nature. Whereas something like, like a fig tree, where that's not going to necessarily get to the figs, it's probably not as bad. But there's a lot of things on what manure does to help in the soil. One, it reduces bulk density. It helps to semi-aerate the soil to be able to get some new air in there along with you're bringing in the new nutrients, you're bringing in new microorganisms to be able to help break things down. You're giving it some stability, some new things to be able to have where the water is not only filtered better, but able to hold water better and be able to kind of slow some things down. You're essentially helping to turn over that soil to provide some new life into that soil, provide nutrients. That's why a lot of farmers will rotate crops because different crops take different nutrients out of the soil. So then if you then plant a different crop that kind of reverses that, it helps it grow. So for instance, where I am from in the upper Midwest, one of the things that was grown, even though we're a little north of the corn belt, is corn. Corn is a very energy intensive crop. It takes a lot of nutrients out of the soil, especially phosphorus and nitrogen. So then what do you do if you go in the year after corn and put in soybeans, which is a nitrogen fixing plant, it helps put those nutrients back into the soil, allowing for that corn to be, be a stronger, healthier plant after that turnover. Essentially, it's adding those nutrients back into the soil. But if you look, what else are they doing those years? They're typically spreading some type of manure over it to also help add those nutrients into the soil, stir that in, help so that soil isn't just blown in the wind, that there is some rigidity to it. And I'll again, I'll attach plenty of studies here talking about the different types of the manure that you can use and the pros and cons to it how some of them you can take it right out of the, the cattle some you want to compost for a year how there's some that will go through and sterilize these things to be able to take out the seeds and different things of that nature 
but how these help fertilize the soil. They help bring those nutrients into the soil. It helps those plants grow. It's giving them the things that the plant needs to be able to fruit. Because remember, yes, fruit is the offspring of a plant. That's where it has all its seeds. It has a fleshy cell to be able to give it some sugar. It's in a start when it falls and hits the ground that it has something to be able to start to be able to root out. But it's a very energy intensive process. If a tree is not fruiting out like this, a fruit tree, it's stating that there isn't enough excess energy to be able to put in for that type of process. That's what's going on here. There isn't anything there for that tree to absorb. Is the water rushing through too quickly? Is there not enough microorganisms? Is there not enough nutrients or micronutrients to help the plant grow that's in the soil? Are all these things gone? Is it wiped away? Is it barren? This idea of what the gardener is talking about is spending the time putting in the things to help it grow, help it make sure that we're checking that off the list, that we're providing it the food that it could use to grow. Are we digging and cultivating that area? Are we recognizing that enough and not just chopping down the program or chopping it down, but realizing, no, what we need is we need to put some nutrients on it. We need to give it some more depth. We need to be able to help so that the water doesn't just pass through, that the nutrients are there for the tree to grow, that there is enough extra for that tree to produce figs. I think it ties super well into that First Corinthians text. And I think that's why it's so important to recognize that these are community texts, that these are texts that are supposed to be inspiring the community, and especially in a time of reflection as in Lent, that this then inspires where we're going with this. Yes, God gives individuals, in my opinion, things that are more than we can take, but that's where the community has to step in. That's where the church has to step in. We have a role. There is no retirement here. There is constantly things for us to be doing. To be able to show the God within us, the Holy Spirit embedded within us, coming out to give hope, to give us that way of God showing up. We see that also in the Isaiah text of how it's not us. It's the leadership that is placed through the Holy Spirit in us and that people aren't drawn to us as an individual. They're drawn to us that God is within us, that we should be thirsting for that, thirsting for that high quality soil, that nutrient dense manure in our soil so that we can actually grow and produce fruit. But that means that there has to be at times others being observant and recognizing what's going on, recognizing that maybe this person isn't bearing fruit because there hasn't been help to the soil. The other part to it is you get the impression with the man that Jesus is using in this parable that there are other fig trees in this vineyard, that apparently the other fig trees are doing okay. It's this individual fig tree isn't doing well. That means we have to be observant. That means we can't just passively go through and say, all of them are crap or all of them are doing great. We're doing fantastic. 
This man, the owner, is being observant of this tree, knowing that the other ones must be doing okay. Or the rest of his vineyard, what else is in his vineyard, is doing okay. This gives the idea and the impression of how much we have to be caring for the other, to be able to point out the issue that we're having. And here we have the gardener, the one who is spending the time there, who has been working with these, understanding, I haven't really put the time and work and effort into this one. Or there's still some things I want to try. There's still some things that I feel like could potentially help this benefit. Are we doing that? Are we as a church doing that? Are we giving up on things too quickly before we're able to recognize that one it's not, we recognize it's not working, so we just cut it down. Are we willing to get our hands dirty to literally deal with the crap, the waste product of something else? Are we willing to recognize the waste of something else might benefit something new that's living? That's the hard place we're at with the church right now. We have a lot of baggage, this old stuff that I would argue as a younger person, in quotes, still in the church, that we need to be willing to let go of. But it might be the fertilizer to help something new grow. But being able to decipher if it's good fertilizer or bad fertilizer, if it's going to introduce weeds or not, is it okay to put around something like a tree that feels established, but maybe not in with the carrots? Manure is very important, very helpful. It provides the nutrients that the soil needs. But we still have to pick and choose where we use these because of the different digestive properties of different animals. Whereas a cow has four stomachs and it's kind of break down all those possible seeds, it goes right through a horse. There's still things of hay in there and it's going to take longer for that to compost than a cow's. But whereas an alpaca, you can pretty much take it right out of the animal. And it's got three stomachs like a cow. Or would you use biosoil, which is the breaking down of things from the ocean itself, and then you don't have to worry about seeds and everything in itself. It's still breaking down of carbon matter to be able to create nutrient-dense soil. But the issue with all of this is we as a community have to be willing to recognize that. We have to recognize the gardener. The other point that I also find interesting is the man doesn't ever offer to help. Who is the man in the parable? Who is the gardener in the parable? Does this gardener have assistance? We don't know. But there must be some trust between the gardener and the man. We interpret. I think there's a lot of things here where we're not being observant enough. It's easy to observe from the outside and see a tree that's not doing well. It's easy to observe something within the church that isn't doing well. Are we willing to put in the time and the work and the effort to potentially put the things in to really make sure it works? Are we willing and able to do that for others who are going through difficult times? Are we willing to take the waste product of one thing to help something else grow? Are we willing to get invested? In the Western culture, we like keeping our arm at a distance, especially as we're coming out of this pandemic. Let me handle it myself. And the thing I'd argue is that if any time that people need help to welcome people in, To recognize that, it's now. Every business, every person has been carrying a lot of weight through the last two years. A lot of things change and there's things that we took on that have now become heavier and heavier and heavier. And we all look around and say, man, I wish I could get some help. I wish I could get the nutrients I need. I wish someone was noticing the fruit isn't growing as well. 
We have to be able to work together. We have to be able to do that. We need to be able to see God working within us. If we aren't doing that, we're missing something. So the question I have for you this week is, are you willing to let people in now? Are you willing to let people in now? We're halfway through Lent, and I think maybe if you haven't had some type of Lenten goal or something to be thinking about or focusing on, that might be it. Because we have isolated so much. Because there's been a lot of things that people have overlooked or ignored or don't see conveniently. We need to be able to let it in. We need to be able to let ourselves be vulnerable. Exposing the roots is a very vulnerable and serious thing. Because if you make a wrong move, you could kill the plant. But also we know the manure is potentially the life-saving stuff that it needs. We weren't meant to go through life alone. Even a garden needs help. We need something to help hold that water, help break down those nutrients, the microorganisms breaking down the complex phosphorus to be able to get it, or nitrogen to break it down into, over time, something that's edible. Advice that sometimes is so big up in our heads that we can't understand it initially, but as over time are able to understand it better. A pandemic that has worn on all of us differently, but in a very hard way also. When we were told it was a sprint, and it's become a marathon, and then it became an ultra marathon. How much rubber is still left on those tires? How much gas is still left in the tank? How is that engine actually doing? In a season of Lent, in a season of reflection, I pray that you spend some time and actually reflect on that for yourself, but more importantly, reflect on that for others around you. Because I'd argue as you look over the events over the last couple of years, there's been things that have been brought to life that are difficult. There's been things that haven't been brought to light that are also difficult. Find some of those too. Find some of those that the people need help. That the people need God to enter the room. Where they need to see that new fertilizer come in. So that tree that maybe isn't growing figs can start to bear fruit. Bearing fruit doesn't come from strength. Bearing fruit comes from being vulnerable. It was a quote that I found this last week. I'll attach that also down in the show notes. We have to be vulnerable. And Lent is a perfect time to be vulnerable. Why? Because Christ was vulnerable for us. It's time for us to be vulnerable with our community. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.